do we actually as an organization embrace those honest conversations out there as a leader do we do we welcome them right so if somebody has something to say and it's not really the most exciting thing or, or what you really want to hear do you welcome it and do you actually appreciate it or do you squelch it welcome to you belong in the c-suite podcast you are ambitious in life and in your career but something is missing You want to bring more of your passion to what you do, because let's be honest, you pour a ton into your work and it needs to mean more. I'm your host, Laura Eigel. I'm a mom, wife, PhD, coach, advocate, introvert, and indoor rowing fanatic. I'm passionate about living a life that's in line with my values. We'll give you the actionable tips and tools you need to lead with your values, make a difference, and have career success. The world needs more diversity and authenticity in the top jobs at organizations. Your leadership belongs there. You belong in the C-suite. Hi there, friends. My first book, Values First, How Knowing Your Core Beliefs Can Get You the Life and Career You Want, is now out in the world. Thank you so much for your support of the book. With your help, we are a number one Amazon bestseller in the business ethics category and a number one new release for time management in business and business etiquette. I have poured my heart into this book with personal stories and stories for my coaching clients using the values first framework. Between the constant pressure of job performance and demands on your time, it's easy to lose sight of your values, letting them shift out of alignment. Those simple misalignments are keeping you from feeling joyful and fulfilled. Learn how to recenter your life and career around what truly matters to you. Order Values First now at your favorite independent bookstore or at Barnes & Noble or Amazon. I want to make sure that you are the first to know about every book activity that we have in store, including virtual and in-person events. Stay up to date by joining our list at thecatchgroup.com slash values first. That's thecatchgroup.com slash values first. Welcome to this week's episode of the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. I'm excited to welcome Betsy Kaufman to the podcast. Betsy is a globally recognized organizational agility consultant with more than 20 years of experience working in Fortune 500 companies. Her company, Cross Impact Coaching, is an organizational design firm focused on working with companies to help them solve the big problems, impeding them from achieving agility, collaboration, alignment, and innovation. She is a published author providing thought leadership to the agile and project management communities and speaks internationally on leadership, corporate culture, and organizational agility. Her TED Talk, Four Tips to Kickstart Honest Conversations at Work, has over 1.5 million views. It is always so wonderful to connect with another coach and consultant that you align with. We talked about how to have hard conversations and what leaders can do to have those tough conversations at work. We also talked about making values aligned decisions, both big and small, and the evolution of your values over time. Let's get started. Well, I want to welcome you to the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. Thank you so much for for being here with us. Thanks for having me, Laura. I'm so excited to be a part of this podcast today. 
Well, I would love if you could dive in and tell us a little bit more about yourself. Can you tell our listeners your story? Yeah, sure. So I, um, like most folks, I kind of have an interesting, like an intentional intervention and divine intervention story. I, um, I started out getting into, I actually graduated with a degree in hospitality and tourism. And when I was getting into that work, I kind of realized like I was doing catering and I was a catering manager. And I'm like, I really don't know that I want to watch other people have fun <laughs> while, <laughs> while I was serving them. Right. And, and I love the big parties and I was really excited about that, but I, I, I fell into project management. And it was funny because uh, my husband and I had just gotten married. We had, um, we quit our day jobs. We moved to Charlotte, North Carolina, which is where we still are today. And um, I went knocking on a former employer's door that I worked with in another part of the country. And I just said, I need a job. I'm smart. I've got a college degree. I'd like to do something. And he, uh, he saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And he said, how would you like to take on a job um, and helping in our technology space and driving some of the projects that we're doing? And I, you know, of course, like, okay, yes, because I just needed a job at the time. Um, and so I took on this, this role and I fell into it and I loved it. It was so fun and it was fascinating and it was quick. And I was also dealing with um, in the technology space and I didn't have a background in technology. So, and this is back in like the late nineties, early 2000s. So, you know, this is a whole new field that was coming out there. And I worked, you know, I was actually with the Boy Scouts of America. So very interesting because with a lot of men, very, very heavily male dominated. And so I worked my way through that role and that role has actually grounded me in who I am today. So I took on many, many project management roles. I worked my way in very large companies, you know, doing project management and program management, portfolio management. I was able to get into some of the different sectors. So I've done healthcare and retail, insurance, finance. And as I worked through that journey, I realized that I loved working and collaborating with people. I loved connecting. And I was also in a very male dominated space. So being able to find other females and being able to inspire other females was fantastic. And then I moved into the agile world, which is a software development within the technology space. And if you're anywhere in this corporate America type thing, you've probably heard of agile, good, bad, or indifferent. <laughs> and so I, I navigated that career. I did quite a bit of um, roles in there. I actually took a step. Um, I would maybe, maybe call a step to the side instead of a step back to learn and to take on a new role. Um, and when I got into that work, I loved it because it was super fun and it was all about collaboration and communication and transparency and all the things that I was trying to espouse, but I didn't realize that it had been formalized at the time. And so I just started working on that work. And as I, as I navigated that career, I started working more and more with executives. I don't know what it was, but they started pulling me in. I started having an impact across organizations. And then I went and I spoke at a conference, something about global teams or something. And one of my peers came up to me and I'll never forget this. It was a packed room. I was super excited. It was like one of my first speaking engagements. And he came up to me and he said, you should quit your day job and take this show on the road. So I did. I did. I left a, a, a very nice, secure job in corporate America. I started my own company, which was really about agile coaching and training. Um, this was about eight years ago. And then I just started to weave that in. So I've, I've had my own company for eight years. It's called Cross Impact. We went from doing really agile coaching and training to more organizational design work because we found that the work that we were doing was going across the organization. Um, and we were having an impact on individuals, teams, leaders. So we're now really focused on how do we help all those different layers of individuals, teams, and organizations and, and various capacities. So that wasn't the shortest introduction, but that is, that is my story. 
<laughs> um, and it's very tangled and it's very uh, divine and intentional intervention all at the same time. I love that pivotal moment where you were in front of that stage and you were it set you just you retelling it you sounded like so energized by it mm-hmm. and um you listening to your colleague I love yeah. that yeah it's funny because it, it sparked a little just something in me like oh I'd never really thought about that what like what would that look like and my husband is an entrepreneur he actually started his company probably about 15 years ago and so I always had this little tinge of jealousy because you know I had only so much vacation and only so much this and only so much that. And I can only make so much money. And he was out able to, to navigate and learn all these good things. And, and I won't say it was an easy road, right? Him starting out as an entrepreneur meant that I was the breadwinner. We had two small children at the time. Actually, we only had one at the time when he started his company. We now have two. But it was just, you know, it was it was something like maybe in the back of my head, but I didn't realize it. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah, maybe it is time for me to to take this out there and do something. So it was just a little spark of like encouragement that I think I needed almost that validation that was probably sitting somewhere inside of me. (laughs) Yeah. And how long did that take from like that presentation to to you deciding and, and starting your own company? Like what did that look like for you and your family? Yeah. Well, it was, you know, of course I'm one of these folks, like when I get an idea, I just kind of go, which is indifferent, but you know, I had to have the conversation with my husband to say, okay, I'm going to do this because again, I had this to healthcare. I had all the benefits. I had the security of, of the corporate job. And so I made sure that I had enough money to keep us financially secure that I could actually like leap for six months before, you know, we would potentially lose ourselves. He was making money as well, but it wasn't where he is now, of course, with any new business. So I would say it was probably a three to four month discussion researching. I partnered with a company that actually started to feed me work immediately, which was like, oh goodness gracious, do I really want to take this on? But I was lucky enough to to kind of fall into that partnership and then continue to grow it. That's wonderful. Thanks for sharing that additional context there. Well, I know uh, one of the topics that you speak a lot about is this idea of having hard conversations at work. And um, it's interesting because today, so I'm an adjunct professor. I teach uh, organizational psychology. Today, we actually talked about feedback and we just talked about how important the importance of the culture of feedback, right? And so this was a very timely topic. So I'm really excited to, um, to talk about this, especially now. I feel like, you know, with hybrid work or fully remote teams now, we have to be just so intentional about, yeah. about the, the conversations. And not all hard conversations have to be feedback, but, you know, how are we having these tough conversations? And I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that. And um, maybe we can just dialogue and have a couple of questions. Yeah, I love it. So this is uh, one of my, this is my TED talk, one of my, my only TED talk at this point. (laughs) So that is the theme of my TED talk is four tips um, to kickstart honest conversations or tough conversations at work. And it's funny, I was, you know, I've always wanted to do a TED talk and I, um, I submitted one topic and it was really cool and I was kind of excited about it, but then I was reaching the end of a submission deadline and I was coaching several different individuals and there was a, there was a, a theme in each of those sessions and they were like, if I could just say this, I really just want to say this. I wish I could say this out loud. And it just kind of kept became this theme. I said, you know what? I think we need to address this. So I submitted it in as my, my TED talk. And like, lo and behold, it was selected to go onto the main stage and to, to be a part of that. 
And while I was doing the work, I'm like, why are we not having these tough conversations at work? So they were very comfortable telling me what was happening and how, you know, what they wanted to say and what they were feeling, but they were not comfortable saying it out loud. I think, you know, a lot of it comes down to one is the culture of the organization, right? Do we actually, as an organization, embrace those honest conversations out there? As a leader, do we do we welcome them, right? So if somebody has something to say and it's not really the most exciting thing or, or what you really want to hear, do you welcome it and do you actually appreciate it or do you squelch it? And so I think that's part of what we're seeing out there is that if we don't have the culture and we don't have the leadership and we haven't created the environment that allows that, it's really, really tough to have those honest conversations. And I, I think, you know, I'm working with several different organizations. They're all struggling even more so now because we're all virtual. And so right now it's super easy to hide behind a screen and not have those, you know, so when you were in like a room in a meeting room, you could look across the table, you could tell the body language, you could see what's going on. I mean, you know, if something didn't agree, and that was kind of one of my superpowers was when I was working with organizations, I would be in a room, and I could kind of see where people were checking in, checking out, you know, they were leaning in or they were leaning out. And then, you know, if something would be saying, you say, you'd see somebody pick up a phone and send a text message to maybe somebody else in the room. And I could kind of watch what was going on right now. We can't do that. You can't actually, you know, cameras are on, but then they go on, they go off, right? Or they're not on at all. Um, we have all these chats between Teams and Slack and all these different tools that are now out there that people are sending messages. And I think it's it's been even more important today that we figure out a way to be able to have these honest conversations and tough conversations at work, especially in this virtual world. So you know, this is, I think, the challenge that we're up for at this point with it with, with one of these the new ways of working um, that we're at. It's so interesting that you said like in the room when people are sending text messages with each other, I can't, it just brought me back. <laughs> like, do you have like a reaction? Like, oh gosh, yeah. I remember those days. <laughs> yeah, I do. And, um, and now I wonder, is it worse? Like with the side messages, right? Just so that people know, you know, when you text somebody privately or send that private thing in Zoom, you can that can be downloaded. So so watch out for that. But <laughs> I just had a conversation yeah. with, Maya, with another client and she was like, can we actually just have a call? Because she was sending me something about that was happening. And she's like, because they'll download it. They'll check it. I'm like, oh, yeah, good. Good point to that. Right. Because yeah, <laughs> everything is now trackable and traceable. So whether you're not having a conversation out loud, it's still being had. <laughs> And we can actually pull the records from it and we can, we can go back to it. So yeah, good point. Great point. Uh, it's, no, but it's, it's interesting that, you know, all these side conversations, so people might not, people might be saying it to somebody like they're like their good friend or somebody right. have a lot of trust with maybe collaborations, but for whatever reason, like you said, they may yeah. not say it in front of a specific leader because right. that leader may not listen or they might not be open to feedback or right. whatever it might be. Do you find you, you had mentioned like there were themes of, if I could just say, were there yeah. themes in the things that they wanted to say? Yeah. I mean, the themes are really about one. I don't agree with like an approach or we're not going to make that deadline. So you can keep talking about it, but so it's, it's like, it's all these things that they don't agree with, but they don't want to come out and say it, or they know that we're not going to meet it. Like they know, like, we're not going to do that, but there's no point in bringing it up here because they're not going to listen or they don't want to hear it. I was um, coaching in, and I'm still coaching this organization and they were, they had this kind of this date that they had put out there and I was working on it with the C-levels and they kept saying the state, the state, the state. And I finally said, I'm going to tell you guys, 
the teams that are on this big, large initiative do not believe in this date. And they just, it like, it stopped the room, it, the virtual room, right? And they said, well, well, why don't, why don't they say anything? Why aren't they telling us? I said, I think they're afraid because we put this date out here. We put this date out to all of our stakeholders, to the C-suite. And what are the repercussions if we don't hit it? And so that was kind of where the conversation shifted because it's hard to deliver that bad news, right? It's hard to be the one to say, and you don't want to be labeled as like, oh, here she comes again, you know, like the sky is falling, but it is a lot about how you deliver the message. It is a lot about where's the intent coming from, right? So if you're coming from a place of good intention and just not like malice, um, I think that also helps with it. And then if we start to think about how do we find a solution, right? How do we start to find a solution to some of these things that we're bringing up? So, so, so the delivery is like, like 95% of it with, with, of course, it being the courage to say it at first. And so those are like, those are the four tips. We just kind of bounced around a little bit, but that really is what we're finding is, is that we've got to have a good intent behind it and also come with a solution. So not like, we're not going to make it. All right, I'm out. <laughs> that's not, not going to be helpful either. And so I think that's, that's really what we're seeing out there currently. Yeah. So those are, um, I love those tips, especially for the, un, the elephant in the room, right? The thing that's being unsaid, um, but that everybody kind of wants to talk about. What about in um, one-on-one conversations? What are you finding that leaders are having trouble with and connecting with others on right now? Yeah, you know, I think there's a couple things that are going on. I think there's a, there's a work-life balance that we're struggling with, right? And people being able to say no, or I've had enough and I need to, I need to go offline because if you think about it, we, we've just kind of shifted in our days kind of turn into the same hamster wheel over and over and over again. It's not like we had the luxury of getting in our car and driving to work and having a change of scenery throughout the day. So it's really, you know, how do you read into what's going on in your in your people's lives and what do they need? Because everybody needs something probably a little bit differently. So if it's a different shift in hours or if it's like, I need to take time off or whatever, you know, there's, there's gotta be something that they've got to figure out what's happening there. So I'm, I'm finding that as well. And just the pace. I don't know about you, but the pace is insane. We are just really, I mean, it's busy and work is busy and these companies are just, you know, going, going, going. And that's great. I'm so happy that we've all figured out how to work and how to pick back up and how to keep going, but people need to have a sustainable pace and they need to be able to manage um, their life and their work altogether. So I think those are really the bigger themes is like, oh my gosh, there's so much going on and how do we slow down? And I feel like I'm just working nonstop and they're on at six and they're on at six at PM. And they're just, you know, it's a never ending cycle of work because we can reach each other anywhere, everywhere <laughs> with it, with, with technology, which is some of the, the good stuff and the bad stuff about technology. So yeah, I, I find that conversation is hard to bring up because if you bring it up, you're the women that I coach, even at the, their levels, it's, it's really interesting because you would think that, you know, well, they have huge jobs, right. But they also should have pretty good autonomy of their schedule, you know, to some extent, but they still feel very tied to, I have to be available. I have to be available. And so mm-hmm. those, um, those hard questions or hard topics are just, how can I, like, I'm, I'm burnt out or even I, I I can't handle that one more thing or 
no, I, I can't do X, Y, Z or, Hey, how can I, how can we prioritize? Because yeah. every, something is, is going to, is going to fall at some point. Right. And so, um, one of the things that I love to ask the senior leaders that I work with too, is how are you modeling these things? Right. Are you, are you taking your vacation? Are you shutting it off? Are you, because, because if you're not doing it, then your people won't either. Um, and we have to model it. We, we have to model it. And that gives others permission to do the same. Yeah. You know, I think it's, it's having the boundaries, right. And everybody is allowed to have boundaries and it's, and, and to your point, even senior leaders need to be able to model those boundaries to say, you know what, I need time to think. I need time to have lunch. I need time to go on vacation. And so um, I th- it's a great point. We absolutely have to model it at all levels throughout, you know, and it's not a sign of weakness to say those things. It's a sign of actually strength to say, I protect and value my time and my energy. So I'm going to, you know, put these things in place in order to allow me to be, be the best employee or employer or leader um, so that I can support you even better and not, not always be filling from an empty cup and trying to support from an empty cup. So um, work-life balance, you said that some, sometimes people are not talking about other hard conversations people are not having with their manager, or their direct reports. Yeah. You know, I think the other thing I'm just, you know, I'm kind of Rolodexing through all my different clients right now and what we're talking about, you know, it's, this is maybe a tougher one, but it's, it's, are we, do we believe in the competency of our peers? This is a whole different, like, you know, topic, but, you know, we see folks either getting promoted or being put in these roles and they don't actually believe that that person is competent. And so there's this whole interesting, like skill set conversation and fairness and, um, I don't know. It's part of this. Maybe it's part of the whole like great resignation, great reevaluation that we were talking about as to like one, here's my competencies. Here's my skills. Why are they not seeing them? Why am I not getting promoted? Why does this person seem to get all the great, exciting new work? Um, Those seem to be very similar themes across all my clients about, you know, just looking at their peers, looking across the board. So it's, it's an interesting time. um, And it could be a lot of, it could be the virtual side of it too. Again, we're not, we, we only get information fed to us. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not seeing and hearing all the things that are going on like we used to. So it could just be like, you get these announcements that come out, like so-and-so is getting promoted or so-and-so is doing this. And you're like, wow, what's going on there? So it's just, it's kind of an interesting, I think the transparency is key for these companies. You know, this is what is happening. This is why this person was promoted. Here are the skill sets that we're looking for you. Here's where we're thinking about you going next, right? Really having those open conversations about career pathing and skill sets. And what do you want to do next? And where do you want to go next? Because we're kind of all living in somewhat of a vacuum, just trying to get our, you know, trying to get our work done, but also trying to stay up with what's going on in the company, you know, and if we're so busy, we can't seem to have those water cooler conversations or the drive-bys anymore that we used to have to say, oh, there's a great job. Have you thought about applying for it? Or I'm looking, I want to do something different. So I think that's the other thing is allowing that transparency and that communication and what's going on and keeping people connected uh, across the company. It's really interesting that like this idea of comparison, right? If you see this success of someone else and you might question competence and compare yourself. Um, and it's, that feels like almost like a trap (laughs) that we can get ourselves in. Right. Yeah. It's funny. I just finished reading a book by, um, Dr. Benjamin Hardy called the gap and the gain. 
And it's about not living in the gap, which is about comparison. It is about looking at, you know, your life, your skills, your, you know, what, what you have versus what somebody else does. And I think in this whole world of social media that we live in, it's really easy to fall into because if we're scrolling and we're seeing all these people living these wonderful big lives, you know, we may start to come down on ourselves or we're looking at LinkedIn and everything's getting promoted and all this stuff. But the book is great because it's really about how do you live in the gain of you, of you and your life and what you want and where you're going. And it's, it's a great just shift in mindset as to how to really show up for yourself and forget about what everybody else is doing mm-hmm. and really just advocate for yourself and, and know your wins and know your strengths. So um, there's a little plug out there for that book to, to help folks. Sorry. Yeah, that's great. Not even my book. So. <laughs> um, and that's an interesting segue to something that we were talking about before we started this idea of career development and like if you're misaligned or if you are aligned. And on our podcast, we talk a lot about values. So I'd love to know what are, um, what are your values and how did those show up in your life? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Um, as we were talking, I do a lot of work with values with my, with my clients as well. And so mine are, um, family balance, freedom, trust, and fun. Mm -hmm. And I did this work probably about four years ago where I actually did some value workshopping. I was going through my coaching training and, and they were just so pivotal for me because I'd actually never done that work before. And they really helped me to clarify like who I am and how do I honor them? And, and when I don't honor them, it's funny because I don't really, I probably don't really think like, Oh, am I honoring my values or I'm not like, that's not a, a thing that comes in my head all the time. But there's always something that's going, like, if I get this like thing going into my stomach like that, you know, your gut kind of clenches up, you know, at some point, I'm like, oh, wait, what's going on here? There's something going on. I'm probably not honoring something that I, I highly value. So um, my values, you know, family right now, super important. I've got two teenage boys. We're on a really interesting stage with one of them. Um, and, and one's getting ready to go off to college is, you know, of course, very critical for me right now. Balance, um, being able to balance my life and my work and my family and everything else is, 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 is critical, right? Because I need to have that balance or else I'm not a good mother. I'm not a good wife. I'm not a good coworker or or a boss or a leader. Freedom is funny. So freedom is, I didn't realize how core that was to me. And it might, if I had to like stack rank them, it might actually be number one and and don't tell my family that, (laughs) Um, you know, by me leaving my corporate America job and start starting my own company, like that just completely launched me into that freedom value. And I didn't even realize it until I did, I did this work. And, you know, I, at some points I've actually, you know, throughout my eight years of owning my own company, I, you know, I'm like, Oh, maybe I'll go work for this company or maybe I, I'll take on this role. And I do. And I'm like, and I don't normally stay very long because I'm, I'm actually compromising that freedom. Cause I no longer have a say in how I want my day to go or how I want my career to go. And so it's really, really critical for me to actually honor that one the most, because it, it seems to be how I kind of want to navigate mm-hmm. um, my life and being able to be free to make decisions and free to manage my schedule. And, you know, if I want to take off Fridays, I'm going to take off Fridays and I don't have to take vacation for it. Right. So that's a very, very core important one for me. Trust, of course, you know, I trust everybody. And, you know, from the beginning until you give me a reason not to. And, and I really hope that folks, you know, see me that way and, and know that that's very honorable for me. And then I love to have fun. So I'm kind of a fun person. I love to just, you know, get on phone calls and talk with people and laugh. And I just think that, you know, fun is just a really nice foundation to the work that we try to do. 
I love um, how freedom has come up for you differently throughout your career and how it's that driving force now. Yeah, it's it's been just so it was so eye opening when I did that work. And I was just like, the minute I know that something isn't right, it's usually because freedom is not there. Right. Because something is boxing me in or something saying, okay, you can't you know, you can't do this because. Right. And so it is such a core I mean, it really does help guide me and lead me to, to making decisions on do I, do I take on this client? Do I not, um, you know, can we do this work because it's going to allow us to be freer, you know, it, it comes up in money as well, mm-hmm. right? Do we have enough money to be able to make decisions, to have that freedom to, to take off Friday, to take off Monday, to take a month and go to Europe, not lately, but that's a goal. <laughs> <at some point. laughs> so yeah, it's a really critical one for me. Thank you. That's great. So how, how do you coach, um, women, you know, even making these decisions aligned to their values, uh, as they grow their leadership and make career decisions for their own career growth? Yeah. Well, of course we do exercises probably similar to what you do. And, you know, I always try to have them keep them front and center. Right. And so we talk about when they're thinking about where I want to go next, or what is my next leadership move or career move, you know, which which value here you're going to honor, right? What value are you going to be able to honor to, to move you into that next role? And that usually gives them a time to think, to say, oh, oh, yeah, I never thought about that. But if we don't lead with those values, it doesn't really matter, right? Because you could get into the most amazing job or amazing leadership role. And if you're compromising on your values and who you are, you probably won't enjoy it, right? The money may look fantastic, but if you're actually not leading with authenticity, and with who you are as a person, you're probably not going to enjoy it. So I think for me, when I'm coaching folks, it's know your values and make sure that whatever your career move is next or whatever role you're going into next, it will continue to, to honor who you are um, and it will help you to grow and actually strengthen in those values. Yeah, I love that. And I think to your point before about this point of reflection, like that we're all in, mm-hmm. um, I think that's what people are doing. They're saying, hey, you know, maybe I'm not aligned with the values of the company that I work for, or maybe not so much with my boss or, or maybe even this whole line of work. Cause I, I want to work from home now and I, there, I need to be in person, those kinds of things. Um, and so it's a really great time to do that. And also to check in with your values you know, as you know, I tried to do that like every 90 days, like, like you said, keep them front and center, um, to be able to make those, those big decisions when it's career, but also some of the little things too. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with you. And, you know, it's interesting. Somebody asked me once, like, can your values change? And I think they can a little bit, right? Yeah. So I think as you as you grow and as your your dynamics of your life change, your values may change. So I think it's also a good exercise to look at. You know, I don't know, I don't know if it's, I don't know how you coach, but maybe every three years, like, okay, are these still my values? Do I still, you know, should I go through the exercises again and say, okay, is freedom still front and center for me, or is there another one that's now stronger for me that I want to, I want to show up for? I was coaching a woman, um, and she'd never done this work, and she was really struggling with, she, she'd applied for all these leadership management roles in her current company. And she was really having a hard time because she kept getting passed over, over and over and over for it. So we did the work. And what's interesting is I'll never forget her top value was leadership. And, and so we talked, we spent a lot of time in our session talking about that. And 
she actually ended up leaving the company that I was coaching her through. She got into a new company and she literally got into a leadership role and then she just kept getting promoted. And so she's now a senior director, you know, and so it was just an interesting, almost breakthrough, breakthrough for her to say, okay, leadership is so important to me. And, and we, I mean, we talked about like, you don't have to be a leader in title, obviously right. to be a leader. Um, but that was what was important to her. And it just was like that, that exercise alone, I think propelled her to start really thinking about, okay, because this is my number one core of what I believe in, what do I need to do to honor that? And so I think it's just like a really great time. And she's like, you know, I don't know that that would have been my number one five years ago, right? right. But I have changed and I have shifted. And I think that's, you know, they will change. Um, hopefully not like every 90 days, but <laughs> you know, as we progress and as, yes. as, as our lives change yeah. and our, our dynamics and our family and, and within yeah. our lives. Yeah. I love the idea of evolution though, too. Like you're going to change. You should, you're growing yeah. and yes. And maybe one value becomes more important than another, or maybe even the definition of what that means at one time of life is different. Like freedom might look different at one point in your life than it does later in your life. Um, Those kinds of things. Uh, I I think there's what I love about talking about values is that it puts a framework around it, uh, a language around it. um, But it's, there's still so much flexibility in that framework that you know, because we all want to grow. I, well, at least I say that growth is one of my values. So (laughs) maybe, maybe not everybody likes to grow, (laughs) but I do. You know, I think people, well, I'm, I'm in the same camp with you. I do think everybody wants to grow, whether they know it or not, right. Whether they're intentional about it, but I do think people are always striving for some sort of growth within, within their lives, either personally or professionally. Sometimes you get stuck, right. Cause you get burnt out and you don't have that. But I think, then there hopefully becomes an awakening to say, okay, I'm not growing. I need to do, I need to pivot or I need to learn something new or, you know, I need to have that conversation that I've got to figure out what I want to do differently. So, yeah. Well, I have just appreciated our conversation and connection today so much. Thank you so much, Betsy, for the connection and discussion today. Yeah, I love it. It's been great. We have so much in common. So I was like, I was like, this is going to be easy. I love it. Yeah. It's so easy when you can have great conversation. We all just kind of talk about things that are flow naturally. So I know, I know. So how um, should we connect with you? Sure. Yeah. So you can find us. Um, my website's crossimpactcoaching.com. Um, of course, we're on LinkedIn. So just go to LinkedIn, Betsy Kaufman. Uh, we have a newsletter um, and go see my TED talk, TED.com, Betsy Kaufman, um, four ways to kickstart honest conversations at work. Thank you so much. We're going to also put those links in the show notes so that everyone can find them easy. And thank you just so much for your time today. And I'm so grateful to to get to know you. Thank you, Laura. I appreciate it. Thank you. I want to thank you so much for listening to the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. If you are enjoying this content, please remember to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. By leaving a review, you are helping others find this content. We will be featuring five-star reviews on air in upcoming episodes. Editing and support for the podcast is done by S&E Podcast Management. To get more tips and tools to help you live a life guided by your values, go to thecatchgroup.com. Keep your boundaries and take care.